0: Welcome to Eyes West, the podcast for movers looking for a new place to live in the American West and the connections to get it done. Here's your host, Dick Crawford.
1: Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Eyes West. This is Dick Crawford, and today's introduction was from today's guest, Melissa Zimmerman from Billings, Montana. Melissa and I have trained in the same network for many, many years then we have a very similar approach to this business of real estate. That's why I trust her implicitly. Today's episode is a wonderful opportunity to get to know Melissa and uh, the Billings, Montana area that she serves. If you'd like a formal introduction to Melissa, simply contact me or your local agent, and we will hook you up and definitely stay in contact. As a quick side note, when you're searching for the Eyes West podcast, Use all one word, Eyes West. So thank you for being on the program today, Melissa. How are you doing up in Billings, Montana?
0: The sun is shining and things are good, and I appreciate you having me on the podcast, Dick.
1: It's Very good to have you with us. I uh, appreciate your time this morning. Let's start off with your work. Uh, Take a few seconds here. Where are you in your real estate career today?
0: Uh, Without getting too lengthy, uh, we started, uh, my husband and I probably about 25 years ago, building spec homes uh, in Denver and had an accounting practice for about 20 years. And then as much as we were doing with the spec homes and investment property, decided um, to get into the real estate business um, so that I could help others. And so I've had my own, um, I'm a broker owner of my own boutique brokerage uh, for the last several years.
1: Very good. Very good. Let's get a a brief profile on how you work. What's your approach to the business of real estate?
0: Well, it's funny, Dick. I think we've heard it say in this industry that we're in the actually in the hospitality industry, um, and I think that there's a lot of truth to that. It's you know helping people. Um, it's communicating. It's making sure you know everybody's got their disclosures. I think disclosures is a is a big issue today. Um, and so it's really I, I I would have to say that I'm kind of a problem solver. I, Make sure that there's a smooth transaction between the buyers and the sellers.
1: Very good. As realtors, we wear a lot of different hats. What's your favorite hat to wear during your time with your client and the transaction?
0: Um, I think it's my accounting or tax background. I think it's problem solver. The the more difficult the situation is and the more challenge it is, I think the kind of the more I enjoy it. And it seems like anymore every every buyer or seller has some kind of challenge or hurdle they've got to get through.
1: And no question about that. That's that's kind of the nature of the business. We're dealing with people, and we're dealing with a very emotional process. So that's a that's a very good point. Briefly now, how do you help your clients feel comfortable and engaged in the process? Because that's uh, when you're solving problems, they've got to feel comfortable and they've got to stick with it. What's your What's your approach to that?
0: I think the approach really is just the communication. Uh, I think more than anything, I and maybe I over-educate sometimes, but I try not to leave any stone unturned. I don't assume that the buyer or the seller um, is necessarily comfortable with the transaction. I talk them through it and make sure that they are comfortable with the transaction. Um, and anything that they don't understand or any questions they have, um, we, I just try to make sure that, that we cover all the bases.
1: And sometimes... Are often, they don't know what they don't know, and sometimes they don't know the right questions to ask. So you kind of have to dig a little bit and keep making sure that they're on board. Is that kind of the case that you find? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I find as well. Well, if I'm looking at the map, what's your geographic service area? There's a lot of country up there in Montana. What, <laughs> areas, what areas do you serve?
0: There is a lot of country up here in Montana. I always call it small-town Montana I serve pretty much the Billings area, and then I go up approximately an hour out. So that would include Yellowstone County. Some of the towns people would recognize it as Red Lodge, which Red Lodge is in Carbon County. Um, but Red Lodge is probably about the farthest out I go. And then there's a lot of small rural towns, Shepherd, Huntley, Warden, a lot of little towns in the surrounding area.
1: So, an hour, kind of an hour circle around Billings, is that the idea?
0: Yep, that's the idea.
1: And of course if uh, people want to go outside that area you've got a, a good circle of realtors that you could refer.
0: I do. I do. I could ha- have a good book of book of agents I can send them to.
1: Give me um give me three bullet points that you want our listeners to learn about your area up there. Three quick one-liners. What do they want to go what do you want them to go away with today?
0: <laughs> we have a vibrant downtown. Um we have the microbreweries. We have all that good stuff similar to some of the other the bigger cities. Um, Hunting. Anybody who is into hunting, we're probably, you can hunt within 15 to 20 miles from Billings. Um, And then the Yellowstone River. The Yellowstone River goes right through Billings. And as everybody knows, the Yellowstone River is great for fly fishing.
1: Okay, so hunting and some good vibrant downtown area and the Yellowstone River for other outdoor activities. recreation. Good combination. Take two minutes to tell me about all that. What's going on? What's the vibe of the town? And what are the outdoor activities a little more specifically?
0: Um, you know, we're a, funny, uh, we're a funny state because we have a lot of ac- outdoor activities, even though we can get really frigid temperatures. Um, but the Montanans are kind of, they're kind of uh die, <laughs> die They'll go out in the cold and they'll still weather it to do the ice fishing and all that. Um, so, no, it's a good, um, it's a real active state. Uh, people are always busy doing outdoor activities, and there's just a lot of community-oriented activities. And so it doesn't matter if you're zero to 100. There is um, there's something to do for everybody.
1: Is the town a, a college town or anything like that?
0: We've got two colleges, uh, Rocky Mountain College and MSU um, has a Billings We're not like Missoula. We're not like, I'd say, like Boulder, Colorado. We're not too much of a college town. Um, It's more of a working town, just a working class people. And with ag being in the surrounding area, we have a lot of ag people that come in and, you know, either have to have service work or that type of work done. And so we're kind of the provider for the outlying areas.
1: And I know uh, during the winter, there's an enormous amount of things to do, although some people in the um, southern latitudes might not believe that. They might believe it. <laughs> uh, so I know there's a lot of stuff going on all year long up there. What are some of the uh, popular activities that maybe the, the population gets involved in? Are there any, any um, festivals or any particular e- events that draws in a lot of people, or is it everybody doing their own thing?
0: You know, the, it, it's a big community as far as community activities. I think when I look on a calendar every weekend, there is a multitude of stuff you could go participate in. Um, we do have like a, a blues festival or jazz festival that's put on annually, um, and that's been done for years. And that brings in a lot of people and brings in some pretty big names to the festival as far as performers. And then we do, we do Strawberry Festival. We do Farmer's Market. Um, we're not too far from – Custer's Last Stand. So we get a lot of historians, uh, people that are into the whole historical part of Lewis and Clark. We have, we have their trail that comes through Billings or through part of Billings. And so there's just a lot of activities really for everybody's different taste.
1: You have a strawberry festival. I would not have uh, <laughs> did strawberries with Billings, Montana. Tell me a little bit more about the uh, diversity of agriculture. That's very, it's, it's interesting to me. What's going on there?
0: Yeah, You know, originally I think since a lot of the surrounding areas are ag, um, a lot of it is ranches. We do a lot of, you you can't not like beef when you come up here. And so we do have a lot of the agriculture. (laughs) We have the cows, we have the sheep, we have chickens, we have pretty much everything in the outlying areas. And then um, we do have a lot of farmers. Um, Sugar beets is probably one of the primary um, crops that are grown out here.
1: And the uh, the history of the West is a big deal for for a lot of people that come through. I'm sure because it is just such a an amazing place, and and it evokes all the images of the West that that we grew up with. So I'm sure that that's a big draw on people, uh, particularly the history with Custer's Last Stand and Lewis and Clark coming through. That must be that must be a lot of fun for folks.
0: Yeah, no, it, it, it's exciting. And then for several years, um, and I don't know with COVID whether they're going to start it back up again, they did do a, um, in June, they would do a reenactment, Custer's Last Stand, out on the battlefield. And that brings in a lot of people. That one's actually kind of neat.
1: Well, tell me, tell me one thing that you yourself, what do you love about the Billings area and why?
0: I would say the one thing I love is really the people. The locals always will take the time to talk to you. That doesn't happen in a lot of um, big cities anymore, and, so, and they're always kind of willing to help their neighbor. I've had several clients who've relocated to Billings, and their comment has always been that the people in Billings are so nice, and I've heard that over and over, and I thought, you know, if you keep hearing it, it's, it's got to be true.
1: Yeah, it's not just one person making it up. Yeah. Give me a couple of other reasons why people might relocate to the area.
0: Um, A lot of them are relocating for cost of living. Um, We're a little bit lower than some of the other cities of similar size. Uh, Really quality of life. A lot of people want to have a little bit slower pace of life. And then, of course, after everybody's kind of relocated due to, I guess, the political map, um, some of the real conservative people um, have moved up to Montana because Montana is probably a little bit more of a conservative state. And so I'm getting seeing people relocating just because of their political philosophies. I guess
1: that's interesting. I, I hear that uh, from a lot of agents um, on this podcast that there are so many different reasons that people are, people are relocating these days, and and um, that's definitely one of them that has really come to the forefront. Is people yeah. are kind of moving around for for ideological etiolo- reasons. Uh, very, very different. We've never seen that before. I would imagine being out in the in the um, area that you are, and I, I don't like uh, stereotypes, but just being kind of in the quote-unquote wild west, just like a lot of states in the west, uh, it can be quite conservative. So, and you gotta like beef. <laughs> That's good. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, gotta like beef all right so what's what's the employment outlook? what kinds of employment is there you You mentioned something earlier about what's going on with that. give me a little more details on employment
0: yeah we've got um two of the um, major hospitals that are out of billings, and so really our hospitals employ a lot of a lot of the people um and then being the service providers for all of our agricultural and surrounding areas um we get a lot of people who um Oh, like Caterpillar, John Deere. We'll have a lot of the equipment people that are providers. Um, And then we're just getting people relocating that want the quality of life and are able to, after the whole COVID thing, are able to work from home. And so we're getting people relocating for that. We ended up hitting um, 100,000, I think it was in our 2010 census. And once you hit 100,000, you seem to start being on some of the big companies' radars. And so – we're seeing maybe more franchises come in and that type of thing. So I think we're going to see growth, um, I think, whether people want it or don't want it. But we're going to start seeing a, a lot more growth.
1: Yeah, kind of as an aside, that I would imagine that that would be difficult for an area, especially an area that's so, so rural uh, for all these years, I mean, forever. And then they reach that 100000 mark, you kind of look around and you go, wow, this place just got bigger is it yeah. has it been kind of tough to absorb from a you know popularity standpoint
0: It is tough to absorb um because we're doing what a lot of the cities are doing where um our growth is basically fueling home prices and so a, a lot of us don't want to see it become unaffordable for the locals or the people that have grown up here um right. so I'm kind of hoping that doesn't happen but uh, inevitably I think it's going to happen like it is everywhere
1: Describe a couple of ways that a new resident can get involved in the communities. Uh, you know, how is it that they come to realize that everybody's so nice? what What kinds of activities do they jump into?
0: You know it's kind of back to that Billings is such a community oriented group, um, and I think I had looked at one time and we have probably i'm going to say either almost a hundred or over a hundred nonprofits. And so if people wanted to get involved, we have organizations that work with kids organizations that work with veterans, homeless. Um, We do have Habitat for Humanity up here, and we have the American Legion. Um, We have a -A Make-A-Wish Foundation, and we have the Food Bank. And so there is is probably not anything that somebody would be interested in that we don't have as far as a nonprofit that they'd want to get involved with.
1: Let's talk a, a minute more about the growth. How are regional services keeping up? I mean, just from the infrastructure and such.
0: You know, what they really are doing a good job. Um, we've got an airport that's really easy to get in and out of. In, in fact, I, a little side note, I had to laugh when we moved up here, and we flew in, and the ticket taker when we were flying out was the same guy that was loading the luggage on the plane, which I was a little nervous. I thought, well, maybe he's going to fly it. But, no, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it's a super simple airport to get in and out of. Um, they're doing a good job with it. They're trying to get in more direct flights. Uh, longer ago, it, was, it took you a little bit longer to get in and out of. When you flew out of Billings, you'd end up having to fly through hubs to get to other cities. And so I think they're working real hard on that. Um, and as far as roads, highways, and all that, we've got Interstate 90, which um, basically goes from the Dakotas on west, and then we've got Interstate 94 as well, and that goes up into Minnesota. So we've got real good infrastructure as far as growth. As far as terrain, we're a little bit more restricted because we do have to deal with the river, and then we're up against the Crow Reservation, and so we can't grow in in some respects in some of the the directions. But, no, they're doing a good job with infrastructure. I'm hoping they stay ahead of it. I don't want to see them get behind on it.
1: How about uh, schools and and such? Is that an issue?
0: No, that's not really an issue. They're staying ahead of that. Um, We ended up having two new middle schools built in Billings, um, and then I think we're slated for a high school pretty soon. So they're staying up with it. I haven't seen the numbers lately. It would be interesting to know how many people after COVID. I know I've talked to some people who are um, homeschooling, and so I thought, well, that probably takes a little bit of pressure off of the, the actual structure
1: of the schools. And what about the, the vibrant downtown with those brew pubs? Is, is downtown changing a lot? You know, are you getting like franchises down there that you don't want, or what's, what's going on there?
0: You know, our a lot of our um, brew pubs and everything are all locally owned, and they are they're aggressive as, and assertive as far as um, marketing and everything, so that they're kind of trying to keep their market share. We do have an, a couple areas where um, we're doing similar to some of the other bigger cities where, like our East Billings area what is what we call it, our East Billings downtown. It was kind of the warehouse area and would kind of go backwards, and so we've got some revitalization districts going in, and so... They're real aggressive in doing new things and some exciting things and doing the multi-use. and So everybody's interest is really to keep Billings on track so that we don't go backwards.
1: That's so good. And you're at that size where you can really get your arms around it and actually make that happen. That's very good. So it sounds like you've got a decent airport. I apologize. Did we touch on health care?
0: Billing, yeah, Billings Clinic and St. Vincent's Health Care are two big hospitals.
1: You mentioned earlier that you 've got some good internet, and i I always say retirees just want internet health care, and a good airport uh and, and it i know we're the,
0: short we're short on the warm weather <laughs> well
1: okay <laughs> but but you don't have uh you don't have uh, too many other things that will turn people off you got great country, so great country yeah. is a is a good substitute for great weather. So, what, let's get into the real estate aspect of things. What kind of average home prices do you have, and what do you, what's the bang for your buck up there in billings?
0: Average home prices, we're probably going to be really similar to, um, we're probably a little bit low, below national average. Um, I want to say our average three-bedroom right now is probably around 250, $250 to 260 and that would be like on a 7,000-square-foot lot kind of in town. But you can get homes from, uh, we ha- used to have a real strong um, mobile home market, so you can get mobile homes for as l- purchase as low as 50000 We did, if you can believe it, had, and it was, it was not normal. We had a 30,000 square foot, $11 million home um, just on the fringe of Billings, and that actually went under contract, which I think everybody was kind of surprised. But that's not our norm. Our norm is more in the 250 to 300 range.
1: 250 to 300,000, and you, I think you said uh, three bedrooms on a 7,000-square-foot lot? Yeah. And, and how big is the house? Maybe 1,500, 1,800 square feet? Yeah,
0: probably 1,500 to 1,800 square feet. And then if you do go out to some of the rural areas, um, you can usually get a little bit better buy on the house. The only issue is is with COVID, everybody wants to live in rural America and so it's putting a lot of pressure on those prices as well so they they're creeping up as well
1: i hate to say it but I, I think people like myself who live in in the city uh they say yeah i want to live in the rural well you know why don't you go rent for a while <laughs> <Can't> <laughs> exactly it's different right but if you're <laughs> oriented to it uh it's of course marvelous but yeah you got to be careful got to be careful unless of course you're going to buy what what was it a 30,000 square foot 11 million dollar home then uh yep (laughs) I would imagine that'd be pretty comfortable so you could probably get away with that yeah Yeah, did did that home come with acreage
0: it did come with acreage I want to say and I'm this is off the top of my head but I want to say it came with maybe about oh I'm going to say maybe 50 to 100 acres
1: See, I think right there is what gets everybody's um gets everybody's attention and and uh, their imagination runs boy if I could just get some acreage gosh if I could have a half an acre that would be spectacular so when people think about the rural they just think of the wide open spaces that I think that's a big draw uh so yeah. you you've got that going for you okay what about things like gated communities uh townhomes, condos, are you in that mode yet, or is it just non-existent?
0: You know, we do have um, gated communities. I probably could not name maybe one off the top of my head. And, you know, I think it's funny. It's back to the community thing. The gated community is not as prevalent only because you want to help your neighbor rather than shut your neighbor out, I guess I should say. Um, Townhomes and and condos, we have an abundance of those, though, um, and those are great for the people who just want to get their foot into real estate maybe or, a, you know, maybe one person that wants to live there and they travel a lot and they don't want to handle the maintenance or anything. and Or if you get the the older retirees that say, I'm done with doing landscaping and yard work, I want a condo or a townhome. So we do have a, um, we do have a plethora of condos and townhomes.
1: How about investment opportunities? Is there a, is there a pretty strong rental market?
0: There is a very strong rental market. We've probably had, well, the Bakken oil field, um, when that was going in North Dakota, that really fueled Billings as far as the rental market, and it just never really has let up. I would say for investment, I usually tell my investors that we have almost a zero vacancy rate. And, no and we've probably had that since, I'm going to say probably since about, oh, I'm going to say at least since 2010.
1: No. So what about the supply of new homes? Is it meeting demand?
0: You know, in in certain price points it is, and in certain price points it's not. I was going to say probably under the three hundred thousand mark, um, they're having trouble keeping up. We don't have um, we don't have the big builders. We don't have like the Ryland and the Pulte Homes and all of them. Um, so all of our builders are usually a smaller builder, and they just don't take the risk to do you know a huge subdivision. So you'll go into a new. Uh, build subdivision and you'll see you could see two or three different builders building in that subdivision.
1: Is it um, pretty tough to to buy that home? Is there a lot of a lot of competition?
0: There is a lot of competition. Um, Once you get over the I'm going to say 350, 400, the competition slows although we're kind of starting to see it ramp up a little bit with a lot of the relocation people and the people coming in that are coming from, you know, higher-priced areas where they have the money to to buy that higher-end home. But, you know, the builders just keep building, and as long as we can keep those building material prices down, that would help.
1: It's amazing. I've heard so many amazing stories about the cost of lumber.
0: Yeah, no, that's what I'm hearing, too. And I thought one guy this week said $52 a sheet.
1: And I heard a statistic, 1,000 board feet is $1,000. Does that make sense? Wow. They're, like, doubled in a matter of months. Um, Oh, Wow. Yeah, that's going to hurt a little bit. Now, let's go back to the idea that you're, I think you said the uh, Crow Reservation and the Yellowstone River, those are borders, if you will, to your growth. What does that say about, you know, building new subdivisions? Does that you know, limit the opportunities?
0: You know, it, it does in some respect, but we can go a couple other directions, and, and it's pretty much wide open land all the way out, so so there will be I don't know that they'll ever build it out in my, in my lifetime. Um, so, no, there's still plenty of, plenty of ground.
1: And uh, one more thing on new homes. What, what size are the yards? Are they uh, good-sized lots?
0: Um, they are good-sized lots. Um, up here, when you start getting out more out of town, I was going to say you're going to easily be on a quarter to a, a half an acre. Um, we're actually developing a couple areas, and one of our developments is going to have five-acre lots and another one's going to have a one-acre lot. And that's just the urgency we see for people who want to be in the rural areas that maybe don't want, you know, 20 or 30 acres, but they do want maybe a, a big shop. Um, shops up here are, are big. People want their shops, whether it's for animals or whether it's for working on equipment or what have you.
1: But, um, but those are pretty popular. Yeah, man needs his space. And, <laughs> and, and the ladies are right there, too, these days. They've got stuff to do, too. Um,
0: that's right the the ladies are out there doing woodwork or they're wor- they 're working on the on the equipment as well
1: and everybody 's got a home brew and uh I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier is um, the wide open spaces is a draw for people in the suburbs, so yeah, if they just get an acre or five acres that 's probably sufficient so you 're definitely in the rural area um How can you help people who are coming up there and kind of toying with the idea and they suddenly find a new development with a one acre or a five acre or even something in town like a, a townhouse that they could uh, they could frequent, how can you help that person who comes in and wants to buy or and does buy and then leaves because uh, they got to go back to work? How can you help them long distance?
0: To help them long distance, whether it's uh, whether it's new construction or whether it's just that they need to relocate, um, a lot of it is just communication it 's uh, you know I usually will send them a, bombard them with emails as far as what 's on the market, kind of so that they have an idea, even if I have somebody relocating and they might they might be a year out, um, I will still send them what um, they 're interested in, so they can kind of keep their their pulse on that, what the market's doing. So if they say, you know what, it's getting a little bit pricey or that type of thing, I really will just keep communicating because everybody that relocates seems to want to do it kind of at their own pace. I have a few that might be up here, you know, in two weeks. And I said, okay, you know, I I don't know what I'm going to show you because I don't know what's going to be available, but let's hit a couple neighborhoods so you get a feel for it. It's really talking to the people because the agents that we had when we came up here, didn't really listen to us and ended up putting us in some neighborhoods we probably wouldn't have wanted to go into, but that's kind of where they steered us. And so I really, I really try to listen to
1: the people. You make it sound so simple, and it, and it truly is when you boil it right down. Trying to match people up with their, with their plans and their desires, and if, unless you're listening to them, you have no idea what, uh, what they really want. When you started talking about that idea of sometimes they're six months out. What about new construction? how far or excuse me, how long does it take for new construction to uh, to come to fruition your Your construction season might be kind of short. Is that right?
0: you know they, the contractors do a good job on trying to make sure that they don't break ground uh, in the middle of winter if we have frozen ground, so they will kind of work around that schedule, but the it's amazing up here because And some of those temperatures, I think, well, I don't know that I would be out swinging a hammer. It's awful cold. But, you know, they put on their car hearts or their, you know, heavy weather um, gear and they're out working. And so that's one thing is is they, I mean, they don't slow down for the weather because they got (laughs) to, I guess because they got to still bring the money in. So usually a new construction house, I'm going to say would take on average probably six to nine months. And there is still, um, we'll still see new construction pop on the market that has been started and the builder just, you know, waits to put it on the market until they're a little bit further along. And so, so some new construction people don't have to wait from the ground up if they're, you know, satisfied with the floor plan and everything and they can get into it sooner.
1: And, and, and can that uh, buyer find a rental for a few months before they, uh, before they buy or before the home is finished if, if, they, if they are moving into town?
0: Yeah, they really can. Um, what we, what a lot of the realtors up here will do, too, is we might reach out to, whether it's on social media or what have you, and even ask, say, you know, I've got clients relocating. Does anybody have, you know, a three-bedroom or a two-bedroom available? Um, and so a lot of the, the agents up here will reach out to each other and see what somebody's got. And, you know, it's back to that community thing. Everybody just kind of works yeah. together.
1: And what uh... – what few things should that uh, that buyer who's coming from out of town? what What few things should they consider before they uh, before they buy or, or as they make their decision to buy?
0: Well really, one thing they want to do is interview two or three agents so that they end up with a trusted advisor. that's That's probably my main focus um, because we didn't and and it was expensive to say the least. And they they really want to be on the same page as their agent. I guess if, there, if there's any miscommunication or they're not comfortable with it or they don't share the same philosophies or they just don't feel like they have that connection, they really do want to interview two or three agents.
1: Got to be on the same page as the agent and you got to make sure the agent's on the same page as you. Uh, you exactly. And the only way to get there is to ask a lot of questions. I think the, probably the main frustration or maybe main challenge uh, for buyers is they're not necessarily sure what to ask. And that's where a good agent comes in as well. The agent will know uh, what questions they should be asking and they might fill in the blanks for them.
0: I think you're exactly right. I think they just need to, that agent needs to pry out every little bit of detail they can get out of that person just so that they can understand where they're coming from, you know, what what their goals are and how they want to live their life going forward and and how they want to move into that next chapter.
1: Just like that guy who's taking your ticket and putting the luggage on the plane, that's what we do. We help people make <laughs> that, make that transition, and uh, trusted advisor is is a good um, a good way to put it. That's why I love the business. I I, I get the feeling that that's uh, definitely why you like the business. It is. Well, we have talked about so much today. Is there anything that you'd like to add to the conversation? Anything maybe we missed or or that. Uh, Maybe you'd like to embellish?
0: Nothing that I can think of other than we would love to, we'd love to be hospitable. So anytime you want to get to Billings.
1: <laughs> Melissa Zimmerman from Billings, Montana, thank you so much for being on the show today. I truly enjoyed catching up, and I appreciate your time. And I hope to see you very soon at some regional event. We haven't been able to get together, but hopefully that's going to change, and I hope to see you there.
0: Thank you, Dick, I, uh, for giving me this opportunity. Uh, I appreciate getting a chance to talk about Billings and and what I call Small Town Montana.
1: Small Town Montana. There you go. Well, the pleasure was all mine. Uh, you take care and be safe and have a great month.
0: Thank you, Dick. You too. Bye-bye.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, that was Melissa Zimmerman from Billings, Montana, and you can tell she's an experienced and personable professional, ready to help you land on both feet up there. If you'd like me to introduce you formally, certainly give me a call. Feel free to contact me or your local agent, and we will be happy to hook you up with with Melissa, and of course, she will be happy to consult with you. And to understand the real value of using a realtor known to me and my colleagues, listen to the first episode of Eyes West. It's called the Eyes West Resource And it's down at the bottom of the list at number one. And I make a few points in that talk. And the most important one is the value of relationships, which Melissa touched on many times during this this episode. And when searching for Eyes West, as I mentioned, be sure to enter it as one word, Eyes West. And to learn a little bit more about me, you can Google me as Dick Crawford Realtor. And I'm always available for your real estate needs here in North Orange County. And I have uh, trustworthy colleagues throughout California who can help in areas outside my expertise. And if you are out there in other areas of California and you want to get a hold of Melissa, your local agent can certainly do that um, and help you out. That is all for today, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, be good, be well, and be safe.